Jiu-Jitsu? Jiu-Jitsu is no joke. It takes years to master. Martial arts are a vehicle for developing your human potential. And nothing in my life has ever put me in face with reality better than Jiu-Jitsu. Training in BJJ offers a powerful lens through which to examine some primary human concerns. Truth versus delusion, self-knowledge, ethics, and overcoming fear. There's more, there's more philosophy in our mats than actually uh, uh, philosophy in any Ivy League school. Welcome to philosophy. What up, everybody? And welcome to another episode of... Philosophy. My name's Oli. My name is Iki. And how's it going, bro? I'm chilling like a villain. How are you Fantastic, doing? Fantastic, my friend. Fantastic. Uh, first up, apologies to our listeners. We have let ourselves down. We have let you down. And we've... Um, well, actually, I don't think there's anyone else we've let down. <laughs> I think that's everyone. Um, we did not manage to get a podcast out last week. A uh, couple of reasons. Technical issues your end. Yeah. Scheduling problems now that things are opening back up. Busy schedules, trying to figure it out. But we're making the effort to get one today. And then we'll try and keep that consistency moving forward for the other weeks. So thank you for your patience with us. Very appreciated. And uh, speaking of patience and also making sure you get things on point. <laughs> this goes right along with our topic for the day. <laughs> nah, man. I'm not introing off that. <laughs> How on earth have you found that relevance? I don't know, because, um, by the way, the topic of the day is... Would you want to own your own jujitsu gym? And with that comes a lot of other things, such as adversity... I mean, it's everything. I think straight off the bat, yes or no, would you want to own your own jiu-jitsu gym? Me, Iki? You, Iki. I don't think so. Nor would I. Yeah, I don't <laughs> think so. Yeah, like, I don't think so. I think, because uh, the way I'm seeing it right now, I'm just seeing, like, the beauty of it and all those great things. But I know everything that goes behind it. So. Yeah. The closer you get to it, the more you see it's got to be run like as a business with all the problems and the admin and the issues that like can start to take away the fun and the joy of it, I think. And for some people, it's their absolute dream. I guess just like it is a business at the end of the day. And it would might just suck the joy from it. I think it's it requires a special ability to separate the skill of admin yeah and the skill of almost being an artist and just like you know being yeah, having yeah. fun and all those things because i'm thinking like preparing for oh what class am i going to give today yeah that must be a lot of fun and seeing students progress huge amount of responsibility though i was thinking yeah. like you've got a i suppose by that point you'd be knowing your stuff and not like or someone higher up the chain can show you and then you regurgitate it but like having the response, the sole responsibility to take a group of people and train them in jujitsu, that's like a massive, massive like role. I would invest in a jujitsu gym. I think I would. You know, even just through time. Yeah. Like I'd give my time to a jujitsu gym. Yeah, like skills as well, and yeah. it's like because that's because take aside. I think it's like um. They say restaurants is like, I think one of the businesses that struggled the most to stay, restaurants and airports, I think. Not airports. airlines, airlines. Air <laughs> airports. <laughs> airlines are like two of like the <laughs> hardest businesses, allegedly. For for what reasons? To, I mean, it's just hard. It's like they, 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 tend, they tend to fail the most. 
I don't necessarily know why, but with restaurants, for example, it's a grind if you're like doing restaurants, isn't it? Because mm-hmm. you have to. There's so I remember you have to work out basically how many tables per night you have to have in order to like break even, and then like you get three or four days where like it's slow or like you're at quarter percent capacity. That pressure, like rent and salaries, and then you got to buy produce. Like, actually, I can imagine it's probably cash flow. It's probably what kills it. By the time you actually get to how good the food is, all those other things that have nothing to do with cooking and food. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So a lot of times, like, um, some restaurants have like just like eh, food. You know, it's like it's not even <laughs> that good. Food, but their procedure is just churn get them free yeah, get them like, in get them fed yeah them exactly like they have everything on it that they're good at everything else and i suppose is. to survive as a restaurant you have to be good right so then there's that pressure be good all the time and then you're scared about that like one bad review that word of mouth like let's say the chef has a sloppy day and like that's true like food poisoning like you have to be on it so that's an insane amount of pressure yeah it's like the the person whoever is like um the person like in control like the manager Hmm. jesus christ man yeah not for me and i guess the same with a gym right you don't know who is going to walk through your door and you and i have seen some people walk through the doors at our gym and coach regales us of some stories of like people that will come through and then you have a responsibility to try and turn them around and also like it's kind of taken out of your hands a bit if they pay you the money and like let's say for whatever reason you don't click with that person you've still got to do exactly the same as you would for the person that you instantly yeah. get on with. And then, like, the other things that they seem small, but, like, now, I don't know why, but now it's, like, it, I see it as such a big thing. Walking off the mats without your shoes oh and then God. walking back in. You can actually get, like, a lot of people... We don't say it, like... Sick. Yeah. You know? <laughs> we don't, like, you're not shouted at just because we love shouting at people. It's because there is a serious risk of infection. Yeah. If you take all the mud and the crap and the shit from your shoes and you trample it all over the mats and then you go roll around in it and you get sweaty and there's cuts and, like... and it's in your face and it's just like um so like keeping all those things in check like uh one of the things that uh our coach says is like uh and uh, you could eat on these mats if you wanted you yeah. know like you're gonna yeah, have yeah. a meal here that's all clean that's like the standard he says he enjoys it doesn't he and uh, mm-hmm. he has like a certain pride in it and actually you see like a lot of gym owners, like, they take massive pride in that. One of the things I've been thinking about a lot with jiu-jitsu is, like, the hierarchy and the discipline and the respect is such an important thing. I don't know if you've ever noticed, but sometimes when you take that one person away that organizes it all, everyone just falls into, like, <laughs> complete disorganized, Chaos. like, they need that rigid structure. That level of respect and, like, hierarchy keeps order within the ranks, like, just like the army. And it, it really does mean that, like, you have a structure to the class and you have, like, a way of doing things and people can all, like, learn it and get behind it. I always think about Coach when he's like, you stepping on my mats is, for me, stepping on the graves of people that have come before and created jiu-jitsu. And he's like, not not as long as I live, would that be okay? You know, one thing, I was, um, I was on Instagram the other day and I saw the Batier squad. Oh my god, I love the Batier Death Squad. And uh, when I saw, when I saw, like sort of like this, this picture that they have, they think they're like a, it's not a mountain. They're at the salt mines. Yeah, they go yeah, to the, the salt exactly. mines that Francis and Garni was at. And that gave, gives you goosebumps of yeah. like you start, you like, I wish something like this was available yeah. for more and more people. Yeah, 
and you think what he's fought to accomplish like what he's overcome and those like mats really are a representation of like what he's fought to achieve imagine running that gym that's what sam has to do I've got I've got a small long, I've got a right? small obsession with Sam and yeah. <laughs> the Batier Death Squad. I just think it's incredible. Yeah, it's like because that that's actually like a really interesting situation where a lot of those kids are either I'm thinking working or going to school or helping at home. Yeah. Um, by the time they get to the gym, did you remember that video when they walk on the mats and there's like a, a bucket of water yeah, next yeah, to it yeah, for yeah, them yeah. to come in? It's like. I feel like if you're running a gym, you have to be thinking about these things all the time. All the time. All yeah. day. It's, um, yeah, running businesses is hard. <laughs> running businesses is super hard. And I think it's just the level of, like, you're acutely aware what failure looks like. Like, if I don't get X amount of people signed up paying X amount to break even, I will fail, basically. If that's what you consider failing. Yeah. I don't really think giving it a go is failing. Yeah. Like, at least you tried and went for it. Yeah, and also, I think the other thing is running businesses is not for everybody. Like, um, you gotta you got to balance the sheets, right? <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, it's like, I mean, like, there are, there are personality types that you can see even as kids. Like, I, I see, like, uh, with my nephews and stuff. Mm. Some of them are like, okay, guys, everybody in the line. It's like, you don't have to be in the line. You guys can just get in the car. <laughs> you know, sort of. And, uh, Here's the thing for you. The Francis Ngani Foundation, I'm guessing these kids aren't paying to do jiu-jitsu. I'm guessing it's offered for free. That's just a complete change in dynamic, isn't it? Mm. Like, there is no sense of obligation other than you feel passionate enough to teach these kids jiu-jitsu. As opposed crazy. to, like, I pay you my monthly membership I expect deliver. yeah like and I think I should have a say and, and but then there you go I think with jiu-jitsu is interesting and this is where I think it's culturally as well mm. where I don't know how I've only been to gyms that are either from the, from cultures like Brazil sort of you know mm. uh, in Mozambique and here and it's like a, as much as it's a professional relationship of I'm paying you this give me that get Mm. There is also like a very personal relationship. Yeah. In the sense of there is some type of form. It's a, it's still business, you know, mm. but at the same time, it's like a, you spend so much time at the gym that at least, and I'm also speaking from the gym that we train perspective, which is it starts becoming, you start taking care of it as if it is your own home, you know, sort of. Mm. But uh, I don't know if, Every gym is like that. If you just go, and it's like, pay, get out, doesn't matter. I've definitely been to some gyms where I didn't feel like there was a sense of, like, togetherness. But I've never been to a gym where the jiu-jitsu hasn't pulled the people together. Like they're all there for the passion and the love of jiu-jitsu. But I've definitely been to gyms where it's not, like, a cohesive mm. feeling of mm. the people being together. Does that make sense? Mm, makes like sort of like it's not necessarily like a team yeah. spirit kind of thing. But a team is one of the hardest things to create, right? Like a sense of like bonding and support and pushing each other to do better. That's quite a difficult thing to create. Especially because in a group of people, like in between 10 people, everyone has a different goal. Mm. And I guess it's like a, it, it is it is a with jiu-jitsu I guess it's a individual sport 
but not really because you don't just train it all by your own so mm-hmm. on your own so it's like also being there for your training partners for them to achieve their goals it's like and at the same time like i think it's hard a lot of times to take yourself out of this is about me yeah what do you think the motivating factors for running your own gym are money it's one it must be mustn't it yeah, yeah it um, is a living at the end of the day freedom yeah um I suppose if you love it enough, it then doesn't really become work. I suppose yeah. that's tempting, isn't it? Yeah, like, yeah, I think I think like a freedom, helping others, helping others. That must be one of the most rewarding things in the world, seeing like the white belt go all the way through to black belt. That transformation process is phenomenal. Like, if you think about that, that, that uncoordinated, terrible, just like confused out of shape person that then becomes a legit cold-blooded killer even the surprise i guess of like you're seeing like certain people that you thought that ah, this guy's not gonna last a week and it's been yeah. 10 years and it's here <laughs> i think those are the magical moments and it usually comes from the people that are like maybe a bit smaller maybe seem a bit more fragile like don't naturally seem like fighters and then all of a sudden they're forced to get really fucking good at jiu-jitsu not like relying on strength or pressure or smash like they're forced to get really technical and then randomly well it's not randomly because they put the work in but sometimes you're watching and all of a sudden they pull off the most slickest move on a bigger person and you're like oh my god that's incredible yeah or even just like the person that you don't expect like um, Bill, Bill is a good example I was absolutely shocked when we all went to compete yeah and he in, in his first competition he, that was hilarious that first he was competition. so calm so calm yeah but he was amazing because he would get into mount look up like <laughs> get reversed and then be like oh no go back to mount put him back into mount <laughs> that was that was the first time that i saw someone competing and their first competition they just treated like another day in the gym yeah he's got such the right attitude towards it i've said to him i wish i had your approach because he doesn't see he just sees it as a game like jujitsu as a game and he's like, that's, I don't get worried about like X or this. Like, I just see it as a game we're going to go play. And you don't, like, I think those are things that, uh, I guess, like, as a gym owner or coach, like, you don't know until you, yeah, until you, like, sort of, like, spend time with people. It's like, um, even, I mean, our relationship as friends, um, that's, that happened because of a place that allows for that to happen. Yeah, it's a complete open environment. Anyone yeah. can come in. Yeah, it's like there are, there are people that I've met, you've met, that it's like you didn't expect, that, oh, this, like... You don't expect to meet them, but also jiu-jitsu offers them the openness. Like, mm. you afford them the time of day You're, you because we're all starting off and on this journey together. And even the higher belts recognize that they too were once a lower belt. So, like, it just fosters this, like, I want to listen. Tell, like, tell me your story. Be who you are. What do you think are the biggest struggles of, like, running a jiu-jitsu business? The people. <laughs> <laughs> it's got to be, right? Yeah. Like, it's, it's got to be. Like, money, definitely. I think you have you feel that pressure. Mm. Like, it's a numbers game. X number of memberships equals X amount of money, and you need to raise this amount in order to keep like going pay your salary have a life 
but it's got to be the people that come through the door they've got to be the headache and come with the baggage and the emotion and like give you the problems and you've got to be constantly on it and pushing towards it at least i would think so anyway it's interesting because like it's it's also like um I guess it's like a little bit like sales in a way, like you know, and there are some months that it's like really good, and yeah, other months yeah. that not so good. But January, it, February, I can imagine sees a <laughs> high volume of signups. <laughs> but I would say, yeah, I'd say it's the people. That's yeah, really interesting, especially like um. Uh, I think the Karens, right? They always have like the a, Karens, yeah. <laughs> always have like a good opinion on yeah. how to run a business i told you when i went to the europeans and i sat next to that guy on the plane and he had a he had a proper smashed up ear cauliflower ear and um i was like oh bro you must be going to the europeans he's like yeah yeah you and i got chatting to him do you remember adam adam gal the blue belt who mm-hmm. was from up in derby mm-hmm. he knew him he it, adam used to go to his gym up in derby so we got chatting. I was like, oh, I'm a London Fight Factory. He's like, oh, I know a guy called Adam down there. I was like, no way. I train with him in the mornings, blah, blah, blah. And we got chatting and I was like um, asking him questions. And I was like, Do you, are there any other people like where you've just said like, oh, no, like, I'm sorry, but maybe this gym isn't for you. Hmm. He's like, yeah, the, I did it for the first time the other month. Apparently some like dad was saying like, my son's going to be the next Conor McGregor. What are you doing to make that a reality? And he was like, well, he was like, well, like we are, these are the classes we offer. These are the coaches. Like he's obviously more than welcome to come and train. Like we put the same amount of effort in for everyone. He's like, but what are you doing extra for my son? Because he's going to be the next Conor McGregor. And it was almost like he just wouldn't let this thing drop. And in the end, he was like, look, I I offer this. I have to keep it the same for everyone. If you want extra, that's time that I need to put in. I'm not necessarily willing to do that unless like we come to some kind of arrangement, which I think is fair to pay for the time that mm. my professional services, if you're looking for something else, then maybe this gym isn't for you. And apparently the guy left and was like, I'm taking my son elsewhere. Like you're not willing to like take what I have and make it this and that. How does he do his son is going to be the next yeah. It's like, there's like only one quarter of a Gregor. But he was interesting. He was like, there are some people that just give you headaches and you do think to yourself, I, my life would be so much easier if you weren't here mm. and yet he is stuck in this dilemma where it's like that's a paying customer like I kind of need that membership and it made me think like how badly do you need it because when you, it's like that money isn't it like what's like what are you being paid for what's your worth where it's like I pay you this money and then I get to like speak to you however I want doesn't really work like that yeah. does it like that's not how you should be acting but then there are people like that. I wonder if that's how that like business ends up changing martial arts. Like, uh, you know, like, for example, in karate, mm. there's like the whole thing about, man, karate, like when you watch the combat karate, it's hard, core. Yeah. But the karate that they teach in most schools, yeah. it's soft core. <laughs> it's like, it's like a man, karate gets hated on so bad. No, no, I mean, I mean, like, for Bias. Example, yeah, I mean, like, for example, what's his name? Uh, Wonder Boy Thompson. Yeah. That's karate. Yeah. But then there is, there are some, um, there are some other things that are suspicious, you know, sort of, you watch it and you're like, this would never work. So it's like, um, and a lot of that comes from you, it's, it would be very hard to run a business where people are breaking 
hard rocks with their hands and hitting each other in the face as hard as they can. Will and did then, it, didn't they? <laughs> <laughs> I know, I know. But it's like, that was not necessarily a business, right? True. So it's like, it would be very hard for you to get like 50 new customers every year. Mm-hmm. If that's like, if everybody has injuries all the time and so on. So eventually the martial art has to change to fit to... Yeah. The paying customers, so I wonder. I there needs to be a certain level of acceptance from us that, like, the jujitsu narrative pushed by the Gracies is admirable and yet is a very good narrative for sales and recruiting. And I say that in, with a certain reluctance because they don't lie about the effectiveness of jujitsu. 100% is one of the most effective martial arts on the planet. However, the narrative that sometimes gets pushed definitely works in the favor of the art, the uh, art of jiu-jitsu, yeah, uh, <laughs> the gentle and, art. Yeah, the gentle art. That's yeah. what I was looking for. Yeah, it's um, it's it, it's complicated because some sometimes like even the the business part of it. When you see, I think there is a part of I need to make money, but I have my own moral integrity sort of mm. thing like uh and uh, that are that are things that could be done that would get more money like for example making dvds that maybe are not good or mm. just selling things that people don't necessarily need um, yeah i think it's probably it's quite hard to to walk the walk sometimes isn't mm-hmm. it it's quite easy to be like nah like the love and the passion of jujitsu Ah, oh, you want to make a BJJ Fanatics DVD? <laughs> exactly. like, guaranteed, but, like, thousands of pounds rolling in every month for however long it's successful. But then at the same time, you have to pay the bills at the end of the month. you got to pay the bills. Yeah, yeah. everyone got to eat. Yeah, so, yeah, I would not open a jiu-jitsu gym. <laughs> Neither would I. <laughs> but I would... Support. I would support yeah. massively with my time, and I'd love to get to a level where I could coach. That, that I love the idea of. Yeah. That's, like... I guess that's being a bit like picky choosy, isn't it? Like mm-hmm. trying to get the bits I want from it. But I guess you still like you would have to then teach the people that aren't necessarily open minded to jujitsu. That's a plot twist. I remember a few months ago we spoke we spoke about this. I think on the podcast. Yeah. And you mentioned like you're like nah, I just want to compete. Would really? Yeah, yeah. I think oh. I think you mentioned you mentioned that like. Yeah, maybe coach, but you're not like this. Oh no, certain. no, no! Like I definitely want to teach. Yeah, yeah, and coach. You've always been this certain. Yeah, hundred percent. Jeez, Ali. <laughs> <laughs> you sure you're talking to me? I'm confused now, but uh, yeah, no, maybe. Nah, maybe I said it. Maybe, mm-hmm. but I don't think I did. Because <laughs> cool. I'd love to teach. Tell me more about this. I just think that's like that's the fun bit. That's like the rewarding bit, like giving back and getting someone to like experience the good things that I've experienced from it and learn the skill and yeah like investing the time and seeing them progress that's like making something but the thing you're making is a better person mm. that's quite great isn't it mm. like uh, I always I had this math teacher at school and he was like I have read and studied every single GCSE maths exam since this certain syllabus started and it was like 15 years worth that he'd and he'd read every single exam and we're like oh my god that's amazing he's like is it if you, were, if you went and had your heart operated on by the heart surgeon, would you have wanted him to read every single available book like <laughs> on hearts? He's like, I see that as my responsibility, to know inside and out every single maths exam. 
so that I'm prepared. So amazing. Not everyone would do that, and not everyone does. And um, I guess the responsibility you then have is... And, and his whole thing was, like, he operates on hearts, I educate on maths. So, like, then your response to your teacher is, like, you teach jiu-jitsu. Like, you, you should really want to do the best that you can possibly can. And then at the end of it, you get a better person. That's quite good. That's beautiful. That's that's actually really beautiful. And I have, I have a question on top of this. You know, like, if... Which is which is quite interesting, because I think you're, I know your answer. <laughs> but why is it that, let's say, with uh, a driver's license, right? Mm. Um, if you don't know how to drive, and then you learn how to drive, are you necessarily a better person afterwards? Um, define better. You're a person that can drive. <laughs> <laughs> You're able to go places and do things, and you put yourself to a skill, and you mastered the skill, and you got to a certain level, and there's all those things. It's not the outcome, it's the journey. Mm -hmm. And then, because that was the next question, it's like, because if you don't know jiu-jitsu and then you learn jiu-jitsu, are you necessarily a better person because of it? I mean, I'm probably biased, aren't I? Because yeah. <laughs> it helped me so much. I guess it's the same thing, right? No, not necessarily. John Danaher talks about it gives you a power. So if you're a horrible person, you're going to be a horrible person with this power to control and hurt someone. So actually, it's probably going to make you a worse person. Yeah, I think one thing I was thinking is like maybe there is like a lot of room to grow from that because... Even the driving example, it's not just driving. It's like you have to face your fear. Yeah. You have to. I suppose it's what you patient. want to do with your driving. Exactly. Do you want to, like, I'm thinking in my head. Drive I learned, yeah. Yeah. I learned to drive so that I could go see my friends. This guy might be learning to drive to commit horrible atrocities. That's true. That's true. And, but I guess, like, it's a bit of both. It's like what you want to do with it. And it's, I guess, the teacher also plays a big part in that because. You can learn jujitsu like from someone who's like, the tap is not to be respected. That means that person is weak. If they tap, you break it. You what know? do they? What do they do at Cicero Costa's place? If you tap to a footlock, then you're like a pussy, basically. Exactly. Right? <laughs> that's the dumbest. Like, that's why like Paolo Miao, like the Miao brothers. That's why they, they have, have a tap. they have no, like nothing in their knees, nothing Jeez. in their legs. Yeah, this is like. Um, not everybody is them like you know no. sort of like a, that's like two out of I don't know how many students man that makes me laugh I swear to god when Danny grabs a hold of my foot it's so perfect you I'm tap like, it I'm, before I, even... I let go of everything and I'm like what can I tap yeah. <laughs> he got annoyed at me once he was like bro like I feel like you're um, I feel like you're tapping just a little bit early and I'm like Danny I 100% am <laughs> <laughs> I'm terrified because that thing just feels so tight and he was like Uh, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna break it, bro. I'm not gonna. Break and it's it. already hurting. And right? I was like, <laughs> I, was, I really am thankful for that. <laughs> His footlocks have got so much more dangerous, bro. So much more dangerous. He's been studying the Mikey Musa Messi stuff, and like they were lethal before. Now it's just like it's gone up a notch. Especially when he goes belly down. When he goes belly down, and yeah. he like and he crunches his body into you, and then he's like, "This is where I stop." And I was like, "What's the next move after that?" And he let go of my foot, and then he just exploded. And he's like, "It doesn't break at the Achilles; it snaps the the like top of your foot in two. And I was like, "Good." <laughs> <laughs> 
good stuff. <laughs> for example, Danny, right? For him to get a black belt, there are many things that it wasn't just getting a black belt mm. that he had to do. It's like so many decisions. Like, am I going to train today? Sort mm -hmm. of like the commitment and all these things. So I don't know if... I guess it's a lot of like, why am I doing this? Mm. And how are you doing it? Because I think like, is what makes you a better person because maybe being a better person what makes you a better person is actually being a better person <laughs> yeah just being a nice person <laughs> so, uh, it is isn't it? it's like value, else, values and morals yeah. and like how you like perceive yourself and the decisions you make because uh, yeah i was watching i was watching a, a, a interview with a friend of mine who is an influencer so they asked him what what makes an influencer like you have to have six packs <laughs> that's pretty true though isn't it? it's like you have to have six packs um, <laughs> step number one step be, number be one. beautiful exactly and uh it was a joke but um it has some it brings some yeah. truth to it which is he was saying like uh, truth was said in jest yeah he was like i you don't know me you know sort of so Yeah. The influence is actually whatever I do with whatever expertise or voice I have in this field. And I guess that's something that comes from having a mm -hmm. jiu-jitsu business. You become, a, you become someone seen with responsibility and people look up to you. Yeah. Did I tell you, you know, I interviewed Neto the other day. Yeah. Did I tell you about the um, story he was telling with the guy who came over from Brazil? And got and changed from a purple to a black belt. They no. tell you that man. He was, he he told the funniest story. He was like, guy gets on the plane, like he's got his purple belt. Plane takes off. There's a bit of turbulence. He's like, oh yeah, I hurt my brown belt. <laughs> <laughs> plane lands. There's a bit more turbulence. He's there, like, wow, that was rough. Now I get a black belt. And wow. he's like, so when the plane took off, he was purple. When it landed, he was black. And like back then, he was saying there's no phones, there's no internet. So he was like, oh like. They were like looking at him rolling and they were like, man, like, who gave you this black belt? Like asking these questions. And he said, he was like, oh, yeah, I got it from this guy, blah, blah, blah. And apparently they rang the guy up and the guy was like, nah, man, he never gave him no black belt. <laughs> and then they, they had to be like, you're not a black belt. You need to take that shit off, man. That's not okay. There was also, I think there was a guy that rocked up and never trained jujitsu before, opened a school, put the brown belt on and was like making money off of it as well. Oh, my yeah. God. Yeah, that's a problem. <laughs> that's a problem. <laughs> <laughs> that is a problem. Man just wanted that money, that easy cash. <laughs> the worst thing is, what if someone actually goes to that class yeah, yeah, and yeah, tries yeah, to yeah, do yeah, something yeah. outside of the class? Sort of, I train jujitsu. Yeah, yeah. Oh, God. And, uh, well, it's bad for the sport, man. It waters down the sport. And speaking of the of the business of jiu-jitsu, someone sent me a screenshot today from Netflix saying, oh, you have to watch this movie. Oh, my God, jiu-jitsu with Nicolas Cage. Exactly. Like, like I, don't, I don't think it's done any harm. Like, I don't think it's harmed the community because the community just laughs at it. Like, did you see the Reddit bit where it's like some guy watched the whole film and he compiled all of the actual jiu-jitsu in it? And it's a five-second clip where he does a flying triangle. Yeah, you tell me this. It's, that's, that's preposterous. And uh, this, this, uh, this friend who sent me this, that's her... Like, she sat down like, oh, my God, finally I'm going to learn what jiu-jitsu is today. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> But I would like to think that after you've watched that with the aliens and the swords, that you know that that's not jiu-jitsu. Yeah. I mean, I hope the movie is good because if it's not, it's just going to be a huge turn-off to anybody. Oh, no, apparently it's dreadful. 
Japan is oh. so bad. But it just makes no sense. Like, none Why whatsoever. It's honestly, it's like calling a film fishing, and there's no fishing in the film. It's interesting because one of the main actors, he's like a lifelong martial artist. It's, it's the guy from uh, Captain America. Um, Frank Grillo. Yeah, Frank Grillo. Like yeah, he's... he does that kingdom as well, doesn't he? Yeah, like he, he knows his martial arts. He did a documentary series yeah. on net, Fighters, the art of right? fighting. Yeah. Did you see the one in Mexico with the boxer? Yeah. Oh my God, when they walk back into the arena. Bro. Bro I was hard. <laughs> Bro. That, that... And he's like, start shadow boxing. He's like, I'm feeling it. And Frank's getting into it. And they're like, boom, boom, boom. And then there is like uh, the one... I mean, I was I was hoping they were gonna have more seasons, but I think yeah, that was it. me too, yeah. me too. But he trains jujitsu, doesn't mm. he? Yeah. If he doesn't train, at least he knows what jujitsu is. And no, I think he, I think he's legit. I think he does train. I I heard I heard a few interviews with him talking about fighting and and so on. I don't know what he trains. I know he does boxing every day. He says that does boxing every day because yeah. it's like his lifestyle. He has to travel a lot, so he, it's something that he can do anywhere. Yeah. Yeah. He went to Israel, didn't he? And he yeah, went to the Krav Maga guy. That, that was... Krav Maga guy <laughs> wasn't messing about, was he? He's like, kick me. He's like, kick me again. Kick me as hard <laughs> as you can. And Frank's like, I can't kick you any harder. He's like, that's Krav Maga. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that Krav Maga guy was intense. He actually was like, I think when he asked him about other martial arts, he was like, nah, man, this yeah. is... this is." And, and I wonder, for example, with Krav Maga, how is it? Do the way they teach in Israel is the way they teach everywhere else in the world. This is where i got to be careful, man, because I don't know. Yeah. Like, I haven't done enough research yeah. on it, and I'm acutely aware of my martial arts experience. No, no, but what I mean, what I mean with nothing. this, what I mean with this, it's like, <clears throat> it's like, um, if it's not, by the way, uh, I have to, to, to put like a disclaimer, this is complete bro science. <laughs> <laughs> I do not take responsibility for, for anything that I'm saying. Um, it's like, uh, I guess it's like, could Krav Maga possibly be like super intense in a place like Israel where it's like a it's sort of like oh I see what you, you know? mean and then, where it originated yeah, where there's then, like a passion for it and a bit like Jiu Jitsu in Brazil exactly yeah. and then it's like uh, you go to a small town and it's you're teaching it to this old lady it's like yeah you can defend against anyone you <laughs> I think that's probably that probably would hold some merit wouldn't it mm-hmm. I think the concept of Krav Maga makes sense yeah like you don't limit yourself to rule sets and like a certain way of fighting. You bite if you have to. Like you, it's a fight, right? Mm-hmm. The problem with that is like, in order to get good at something, you do need a certain set of like predetermined, like variables to happen. Like in jujitsu, you start on your feet, but you are going to the ground at some point for the most part, right? Like John Danaher's four step system, take the fight to the ground is like step number one. Like, the unpredictability of a street fight is the is the fact that like I'm not going to come at you in a certain way, so it's like how do you train against like unpredictability? So one day John Jitsu and I were uh, drilling knife uh, attacks. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it was like first we started drilling like just with um, strikes. Mm-hmm. And then we're like, yeah, John was like, and I were like, yeah, I don't even know who says, but yeah, if it's a street fight, then Silvio is just waiting for his class to start, so he's watching all of this. Oh, my God. And afterwards... So, just, I'm going to jump in real quick. For people who don't know Silvio, someone summed him up perfectly over there. He's like an iron bear. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> Apparently, he, he boxed for his country. He used to train with Emilio 
um, I've forgotten his name, Fedor Emelianenko. Yeah. He used to like coach Olympic wrestlers. Wrestlers? Mm. Man, I'm butchering this. Basically, the guy's a beast, like a complete savage. He's a badass. Yeah. And he's watching this, just drinking his coffee, <laughs> looking at us. And then he goes, that's very good. Uh, he's laughing. He's like, oh, what do you, we we're like, oh, what do you think? He's like, that's very good. But what if he has a knife? <laughs> he's like, would you, like, why would you, why would you try jujitsu if he has a knife? Yeah. Why would you do, go for a double leg takedown? It's yeah, like, just stab you in the back. Yeah, and then we go like, so what you should you do? You should run. It's like that's that's it. Like uh, it's like uh, there's no answers to this. It's like I've always thought we should put the gloves on and roll jujitsu. Okay, uh, this is where this podcast ends. <laughs> <laughs> But do you not think? No, I think so. I think so too. Just to see, I just to so open too. up gaps and like think about like controlling the person. Like if the person can throw a punch, if you remove punches, the person can still use their hands and their arms. So looking at like better grips and like better control and yeah, I think that's that's one of the things that uh, when we could do just like jump from class to class, mm. doing the MMA with Jeremy. With Jeremy, mm. I was absolutely. I was actually rolling with James. I think one of the times like I had him in half guard. He was like he wasn't punching me hard, but it's like I'm punching you. I'm punching. Yeah, the, prob the, pro <laughs> the problem with James is he sometimes does that even in the jujitsu classes. <laughs> like he'll stop, look at you, and then throw a couple of like feints at your head, and then it's like. Yeah. But he has a good point. He, <laughs> he has a good, good point. point. He has a good, good point, point, which is. I just don't like to hear it. <laughs> <laughs> it's like uh, his point was like, uh, yeah, man. Uh, this is like you don't pull guard and stay here. No. If you gotta, if you pull guard, is to do something right away. Yeah, to come on top. And yeah, Jeremy has this idea of like, uh, don't pull guard. Just don't pull guard. Get up. Just get up. up. It's so weird to like get 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 on your back. Yeah. And get up straight away. Have you ever wrestled? Yeah. When they're like, don't fall on your back, and you're like, yeah. Ah. How? <laughs> yeah. It's like, uh, yeah. But uh, back to the business, right? <laughs> uh, I guess. I guess. Um, it's very honorable. I think like, and it's very admirable. Uh, one of the things that. Uh, we were talking about before this it's for anyone that's listening to this in a city where they have jujitsu um, uh, one of my best friends he's the guy who told me he should train jujitsu he moved for work for another city oh I remember you saying yeah. this back in Mozambique wasn't yeah. it yeah so he hasn't trained jujitsu in seven months yeah and every once in a while like now with COVID rules um They keep changing. So finally he bought some mats and now pretty much is just going on the street looking for anybody. Like, hey, do you, you want to roll with me? Yeah. And uh, he found he found a guy who is his neighbor. He's like, yeah, I'll do whatever you want. So that's like the amount of effort he has to put in just to drill something with someone who doesn't know anything. And then I think, I think um, a lot of times we can't take for granted what we have. Yeah. Because it's just like it's another day. Yeah. And But how much choice do we have in London? So much. When I signed up to Black Belt Magazine, I did this thing where I was looking at the whole of the UK and just seeing how many jujitsu gyms. I didn't really do any like any like mm. clever way. I literally put in like jujitsu gym, went on Google Maps, just like scrolled to like a vague oh area and just went like search. Like there's a lot. There is a lot, but like London just has such a high volume of jiu-jitsu gyms and the surrounding areas. 
I imagine it must be high compared to the rest of the UK. It's got to be, right? Yeah. But like that's based on nothing other than a hunch. <laughs> kind of feels like it should be because it's a capital city. Yeah, like bro science, guys. Yeah. <laughs> but, then, but then it's like, I guess, and I guess that um, when you think of a small city, um, I told you also like the guy who runs the, the gym in Mozambique, sort of, it's, it's a judo gym kind of yeah he has a judo background doesn't he no no he has he has a jujitsu and mma background but Uh. it's like a judo gym and pretty much he found a way to pay like that gym to give jujitsu class so this is all out of i love jujitsu i want to train jujitsu i want jujitsu to exist yeah that isn't he's not making money from it you know and it's like um but every month, it's like an agreement. The guys that pay you, it's like, hey, guys, you have to pay, so we have to pay this place yeah. so that it, it, can, it can keep, keep giving us this, this one hour we can train. So when I think of, like, running a gym, it's like um, it has to be so well organized. And yeah. someone has to give up all the other safety nets yeah. that they could have. Here's a question for you. If one day the gym turned around and said, pay what you can, do you think it would survive? I don't know because I don't know who would, who like how many people would be like occupying whatever it needs to survive. Because I, I guess that's the question. It's like what I can, if 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 they ask you like the first question you ask is like how much do you need, and then you see like can I like how much can I give? You do you know? remember you know Radiohead? They did that with their album, didn't they? Mm. They released an album. It's like pay what you can, and it was one of their most successful albums yeah. of all time. <laughs> I wonder if, like, the gym would, like, I don't know. Because also, like, in that in that sense, like, some people probably pay more. Some people probably would pay more, yeah. yeah. But then some people might pay nothing. And just show up. Yeah. And you can't judge, you know, it's like... Uh, uh, just a little. <laughs> <laughs> the guy that can comfortably play t- pay double. Ah, okay, I'm talking about. Nothing. I was talking about someone who actually cannot afford. You know, like yeah, yeah. But, but then, wow, now that's a good point. The person that can't afford could potentially come if they could pay like half. Yeah, but also it's like once they come, how like how are they in the gym? Because like someone might not be able to afford, but be like, do you need help with anything else? Yeah. So interesting yeah it's a good point and um you know like uh how i guess it's like more of like the read your head is a great example actually yeah and then they, they do also is it like costa in that they do like open coffee cards so like the whole idea is like you try and keep it going by like putting money on it for others then others like pay for it like they use that to pay for the coffee but you never know the total i think so it's like how long will it keep going you know what I think would happen for it to to, to work? If someone went on and paid like a huge amount yeah. and they publicized it to the rest of the people in the gym, yeah, yeah, yeah. there is a little bit of... Uh, have you seen like... I think there's like a... But then how much do the people believe that like a stronger gym will like... They'll see benefit from it? Because it's... I, I think that... I guess, I guess that also there's a little bit of like some social psychology going on there. Like, you know, like when there's like a queue... Be, yeah. When there's like a queue of like cars, yeah, and um, there is someone asking, begging for money, on the road. Mm. If the person in front gives them money, there is a higher probability that everyone else will. will Do you think so? Give money, yeah. Like, do you not think it's unique to each person? 
depending on the situation. Because if the situation is like this person feels like, oh, he gave me money and I have to give, like the probability goes slightly higher even for people who wouldn't normally give money. I won't say that they will, but yeah. the probability would go higher. So, but yeah, some people are like, fuck off and just keep driving on. Because COVID c- kind of gave a little bit of that situation, but the missing piece is that, like, you weren't able to train, if you know what I mean. So, mm. so like, the gym needed to stay alive. All gyms needed to stay alive. However, you couldn't train jiu-jitsu by, like, the traditional way. This is super interesting in that it's like, you get exactly the same scenario and outcome, the coaches, the training, the access, the gym, but you choose what to pay. Man, no gym's going to be stupid enough to try it. <laughs> but it's interesting to think because it kind of exposes like people's mentality towards it. Like they pick what they think is worth. And do you think it also exposes how much it actually means for each person? 100%, man. And... This is the thing. Some people are looking to be told how much it costs. And London prices are, I would say, with no research, (laughs) probably higher just because it's the city and the capital. Probably higher than elsewhere. But some people coming don't know what to expect to pay. Maybe they have an idea, but it's not really based on anything, I guess, other than maybe like a gym membership they would normally pay. But jiu-jitsu... To go to a jiu-jitsu gym with unlimited classes is more expensive than just a normal, like, gym membership, right? But then, yeah, but then some people break it down in terms of, like, if I was doing classes, not not jiu-jitsu classes, if I was doing, like, yoga classes or hit classes or box fit classes, how much would I be paying for that? And then it's, like, just doing the jiu-jitsu, which is a skill. I remember I, remember I met someone who went to, to a jiu-jitsu. I was very, I was very like... Uh, surprise actually went to jujitsu class he was going to jujitsu classes but like uh, with a with a bigger gym brand sort of gym box or so yeah that's quite that's a thing isn't it like yeah. that's where ross was like doing teaching a gym box in that, farrington i think yeah that, Union. that that's interesting too because i feel like um if like technically speaking you would think that oh that's that's more uh how do you say yeah, I think I know what you're going to say. Like, I'm not sure why, but if I heard, like, a fitness first was doing a jiu-jitsu class, I'd immediately be like, how good is that going to be? But if yeah. I rock up and the guy doing it's a black belt, I'm like, oh, sick. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. it's like I, I can use the, the, the gym, yeah. I can go to yoga, I can use the swim pool, and I can do jiu-jitsu. But then I guess, I guess like, um, if you go to a jiu-jitsu school and you get the experience, like, oh, yeah, you know, yeah, sort yeah, of. Yeah. I suppose it, then it's based on, like, what the gym wants to turn out, right? Like what? What's their goal for the people that turn up and train there? It's a it's a very good question, Ali. I, I don't know. I don't know how many gyms would survive. I think um, I think you know, because I'm thinking mostly like in how sort of like human behavior. Probably gyms that have very strong celebrities well, attached to it would do very well. So I've been to. Well, let's say a celebrity gym. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if I want to get into like throwing too much shade about that whole scenario. What I would say is that the level was still high there um, from the coaches that taught. It, like, there was no question in my mind as a lowly white belt yeah. <laughs> that the quality was very good. Um, I think talking about giving celebrities belts is a different conversation. Mm. Um 
and there are videos that you can Google of certain celebrities rolling with admittedly top jiu-jitsu athletes, but the community doesn't exactly look on it favorably. And uh, I think one comment summed it up, which is if you give a guy a belt he can't carry, it's going to hurt him. And I think that's probably happened in some instances. No, that's... I'm trying to not yeah, throw yeah, shade yeah. <laughs> whilst throwing shade. <laughs> well, yeah, that's like that's like a situation. I'm guessing like someone just from the name of their brand could could like be like, ah, just give me what you want. It's, it's almost like that thing of like uh, I don't know. It's like I don't know who said it, but uh, I think it was uh, just some celebrity who said, "When I was broke, I would beg for stuff." Yeah, and now. I can't have it. It's like now it's like, please stop sending me stuff. <laughs> it's like, yeah, so. I should also say that there are some legit celebrities that do jujitsu and they are their belt level. Not They're too not good. too far from here as well. <laughs> you know, actually, like uh, the other day, uh, my friend sent me the, I think I sent it to her just because there's something that popped up on my Instagram of Justin Bieber doing an arm Oh, yeah, bar. I saw that, but I didn't click it. It yeah. was like on some Instagram account. Yeah. Did you watch it? I didn't watch it. I just sent the video because it was a, it was just like a screenshot. Maybe we should find it and see. And uh, I sent it to to her and I said, I think Russell Brand could fuck him up, <laughs> <laughs> right? And that that's that's a that's an interesting celebrity that I think uh, practices jujitsu regularly. Really, yeah, yeah, there are a couple of big names that yeah. do jujitsu, aren't there? Yeah, I'm just thinking about someone who kind of started recently, and it's like a puts it out sort of like oh i'm a beginner and i'm like i'm taking this thing yeah. seriously there are very few i think you end up seeing people who are already have been training for a lot of yeah, years yeah like, yeah i mean don't get me wrong if you're a gym and you've got a celebrity training there of course like <laughs> in the world we live in with social media you're gonna want that's gonna generate some yeah. interest and some buzz like oh what's jiu-jitsu what gym is this where's he go blah 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 the interesting thing is i, I wonder it's like a, if a celebrity comes in you go as hard as him with him as you go with everyone else. Good question. What just be able to say I messed him up, mm-hmm. turn around and messed him up? Because I think you shouldn't. I don't think that's in the spirit of the sport, right? No, I wasn't saying in that sense. It's like even if a celebrity's like, oh, you know, it's like you can hit me, just not in the face. <laughs> <laughs> you know, sort of. If he has a lot of ah, that's a that's a good question actually because if you step on the mats and it's like go time and roll time. Like you don't want to sl- you don't want to slap it on anyone that's worse than you to like prove a point. At the same time, like let's say they're a similar level to you, and you can tell when someone wants to go. Like you can tell when you're rolling and it's like mm-hmm. they're they're pushing the pace or they're pushing the intensity, and you can also tell when someone's like deliberately trying to fuck you up as well. Like you get a kind of feel for it. So I think if someone steps on the mats and they start doing that then you're kind of, you're playing within the rules, right? Like, you've you've stepped on the mats and you've kind of initiated that. Like, if it's then, like, let's go, yeah. and you end up worse off, as long as you don't look to step the lines of any, any jiu-jitsu role, which is, like, you don't want to crank a submission, you don't want to hurt your training partner, you don't want to make them feel but then small there are, and belittle them. But then accidents can happen. Or like, accidents can happen, yeah. But, but also, like, even, like, I, I guess, like, um, I mean, I, I got a cauliflower here. That just happened because of yeah, training. But, yeah, but that's like that's not like someone looked at you and thought like, 
today this guy's gonna get caught. Yeah, it just, yeah. I, mean, I mean, it just happened because of like the way I trained. So like, yeah. let's say for example, the celebrity themselves. Ah, nah, that's on them. Yeah, that's on them. If you, right? don't, wear, if you don't wear ear protections and you're a celebrity and you make your oh. money from, nah, bro, you that's to, on you, man. You have to bring up the ear <laughs> protection. <laughs> uh, nah, if you're a celebrity and you make, or you're, or you're a model, like um, we have a model, we have a men's health model that trains he, at ours, he, and he wears headgear. He was the, he was the one who was who mentioned it to me. Like when he saw it, it's like he actually gave me the best tips yeah on how to take care of it he makes a living yeah. from people taking photos of his face yeah and if he then has something let's say <laughs> i'm going to try and word this <laughs> for a model that might affect his work yeah he has to take responsibility for that you know uh another thing is uh there was a uh i'm trying to say this also without putting names out but it's like there's a um there was a channel that I used to follow. I told you about this, that uh, the main guy in the channel uh, was became a scammer. What's this? Um, oh, come on. It's like, <laughs> <laughs> I'll try not to say the name. But okay, so there was like... Um, just tell the story without yeah, the name. So there were just... two guys that used to have like a, a channel that they used to interview, like a podcast. They used to interview like very famous people. Oh, yeah. And... I one of them was a jiu-jitsu instructor and like very well respected so he had like a really good network of people yeah sort of like uh from the roger graces to the eddie bravos yeah so their first year of episodes was all out of his network and then all of a sudden his business partner one day goes like hey i'm gonna do the podcast with a friend today cuts him off changes all the passwords everything Ooh. and goes like oh the podcast is mine now kind of thing wow so the 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 jujitsu is the warning. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. By the way, I've done two podcasts. <laughs> well, like, uh, the the jujitsu instructor guy goes like, "Cool," and it's like he it just turns a, a page, and he doesn't want to look at this anymore. He just goes back to his life, goes back to teaching jujitsu, and he's very disappointed because when he met this guy, he used to look up to him. Sort of like, ah, this guy's in, into business. He's gonna teach me more. Maybe it'll, I'll be able to apply that to my jujitsu school, the professionalism, and so on. A few years go by. COVID happens. This guy starts a scamming campaign. It's man, I followed this to the T. It was one of the most fascinating things to watch. It was the whole people are lizards who are controlling the world and spreading this virus, and then starts asking for donations and all all of this. And then the guy who was his business partner was from the beginning comes out recently, I think two weeks ago, and made an interview talking about Spider. This is this is my I don't watch series on Netflix. I watch this, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and uh, and um, he he mentioned something interesting. He said, "When I met this person." I looked up to him, we're very good friends, and I trusted him. The thing I didn't know, and I didn't notice, and today I look back and was like, oh, so dumb. One of the things that would happen is that this guy would never join the classes with all the other jiu-jitsu students. He was a purple belt. He would never join the classes with everyone. Oh, really? He would only do privates with the coach. And that never stood out to him. Because of like everything else, the relationship and everything else. And he mentions later, he's like, you know what? Today, after seeing what uh, transpired and 
all the years and just observing this guy. A lot of it had to do with his ego. It was so big that, I mean, if he's getting tapped and rolling with a black belt and he gets tapped, ah, it's just learning is fine. But if he's rolling with a white belt or a blue belt and he's getting his ass handed to him, that's a lot different. Break him. And pretty much his, 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 his lesson in business in that case was, um, man, sometimes shit happens. Like, uh, you know, you trust people and you learn that they're not... Uh, who they thought they were. Yeah, I mean, gladly for him, it wasn't in a situation where mm. they were sharing the same jujitsu business kind of thing. But um, that brings up a question, which is back to what you were saying about who would give for free and stuff like that. It's People tend to surprise us, sometimes mm. in the positive Sometimes in a negative. I'd like to think, yeah, that yeah. there's like the decency, like the yeah. common human goodness. <laughs> and it's, I guess, I guess it's like it's a big part of that is like our responsibility to like not get, it's like a not get that to to not become jaded, you know. Not yeah, don't be too yeah. cynical. Because then, then you start you start acting, you start going like fuck it, I'll do things my way as well. Like, and next thing you know, you are the yeah. other person. Yeah, it's, it's tough though. Yeah, it's tough. Yeah. Anyways, guys, we really hope you like this podcast. Yeah, I've enjoyed this one. It's been yeah. fun, <laughs> as opposed to all the others. <laughs> wow. God, they're a slog. <laughs> <laughs> oh, can I do a shout out? Please do. I want to shout out to a gentleman called Coked Up Gaming. <laughs> if he's made it this far how's it going Kug? and um, he's uh, the guy who suggested we change the intro to introduce ourselves which was a fantastic idea yeah we really and, appreciate uh, that he's a he's now a loyal listener um likes to give us feedback which is super appreciated so i thought i'd give him a shout out so there it is cool shout out and uh guys have a lovely one stay safe in these streets Oos. Oos.